Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Danny. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> 2-0, so baby. Just excited? Like I, just like I called it, right? right? Or are you just really into that cowboy song now? Oh, God. I, mean, I got, you know, I got too much lean in the bladder. What can I say? Uh... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, we talking about different. Are we talking about different cowboy songs? Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Well, in nope. any case, that was an exuberant uh, cheer for our Trailblazers, who are up two and zero against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, we can make this a whole cowboy themed podcast. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> well, let's just let's dive into it. Um, Funny. Say that because I'm looking at Chris Paul right now on as the Utah Houston game goes on, and all I can think of is right is Chris Paul in that stupid like Woody from Toy Story outfit he had on earlier this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's not talk about Chris Paul. This is a Blazers podcast. The Blazers are now playing Oklahoma City Thunder. Nothing to do with Chris Paul yet. So let's leave that for another day, and let's talk about how the Blazers have been doing up to O against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like I said. So I don't really know where to go with this because there's so many places to go and I don't want to get, you know, it's a real challenge to not get too high about this because uh, I feel like the Blazers have exercised some demons. They're playing, I think, incredibly well. At the same time, I miss Yusuf Nurkic so, so much. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to start, Dan? Well, like the first thing I want to touch on is – I'm going to go ahead and put my glasses on because this can't be right. Um, the Thunder are favored by seven and a half points in game three. Oh, so after getting picked apart clean by the Blazers, <laughs> uh, uh, they're expected to win the next game. Okay, so I, th- I think it makes sense that they're favored because they're at home. And I think it's the popular narrative, but I, I just... I don't know. <laughs> like I said, hard not to get too um, excited about how these first two games have played out. But I think as far as like betting goes, I mean, betting isn't necessarily who's actually going to win the game. It's just who what people think is going to happen. You're, you right? know that you're trying to encourage bets one side or the other. The, the, the thing about this is like uh, – is anything really been all that inspiring? Like, I, I guess the, you're, you're – Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're betting on – that they'll bounce back shooting wise. Why? I mean, if you watch the press conference last night, Paul George's not hurt shoulder was sitting there being rubbed. Oh, but uh, what about r- poor Russell Westbrook and his flexy hand? Yeah, his hand that he flexed thirty-seven times on camera to, to just nonchalantly be like, "Oh, this little thing. Oh, it's nothing." Like, I, I'm still trying to rank what was worse was that or LeBron's cast. Like, LeBron's it was, cast was the corniest thing I have ever seen from Russell Westbrook and that's a long list <laughs> okay well let's let's break down the uh, some of the elements of the first two games and let's start with defense so the defense. Blazers not known for the last few years as defensive stalwarts of the league although having improved year over year The Blazers this season had a defensive rating of 109. Five, and so far two games against the Thunder in the playoffs, ninety-five point one. So, what's the difference? And I can't believe it's just that OKC is missing shots. That's uh, part of it. Is that they are missing wide, wide open shots? But part of that is you could attest to uh, or attend to uh, Paul George's shoulder. Uh, if you believe Tracy McGrady, PG's out there playing with a torn labrum, which isn't impossible to think of. Um. Westbrook's also a god-awful shooter, and he's taking 25 shots a night right now. Um, okay, Grant Ferguson not showing up right now, and they're getting a lot of open looks. Stotts has said it, in both games they still want to take away more opportunities. They're getting too clean of looks. Um, but I don't think that's the biggest part of this. I think the biggest part of this is that the Blazers are playing easily the most aggressive brand of defense I've ever seen from them, uh, particularly on the wings. Uh, Can I just say that – Every time I look up, I just see Mo Harkless creating just absolute havoc, and it's like the most beautiful sight on earth. Yeah, no, it, it's a hundred percent. And I've been more critical of Harkless of, of 
damn near anybody not named Chad doing. Chad's probably the only guy in the city who's been harder on him than I have. And and we're both in the same boat in that it's not that we don't like the guy. It's that we clearly see the talent in him and he doesn't deliver. Okay. But you've been saying just that for like the last three months that he clearly doesn't deliver. But right now he's delivering. Yeah. And, and right now he's he's delivering. And if he gives this kind of effort, I mean, you can see it. All the other guys are talking about Dane went in the locker room to thank Chief and, and Harkless for all the thankless things they do. All year like, long. Yeah. I mean, well. They've been doing it all year long. It's been extra spectacular in the playoffs. But they haven't been doing tell it. Like me, at least since. Okay, at least since the All Star break. Okay, so so two months. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's it's not a secret that they're they're playing better now, and a big part of that is Harkless realizing, oh, I should do the things I'm good at. You know, be big, long, athletic, springy, run the open court, drive people nuts on defense. Yeah, all of those the things Can he's supposed to be. Can you just encourage doing. him without saying but? Can you just say no, no, about because the good things that he's been doing. He, no, there's always needs to be perspective on stuff like this, and and that's the case. I mean, at least for me. Um, but he's been phenomenal, and I I don't really particularly care what I get from him on the offensive end right now. If he's giving this level of effort, intensity, energy, all the little things, because he is just busting Paul George's ass right now. Like that's that's the bottom line. He is in his jersey all game long, and while he's been prone to picking up a, a foul or two. I've only seen, I think in the first two games, I've only seen two cheap fouls where he reached the rest were as a result of being extra physical. And if you're going to err on one side and you're going to have a mentality, I'm okay picking up that extra foul or two because you're just wanting to be in his chest and in his breath the whole game. I have never felt like the Blazers were in serious foul trouble, which is Really nice. I felt like there's been parts because of the uh, how thin they are in the center where it's like, mm. oh, boy, OK, now we're going to have to sit, sit a center for a little while. But I haven't felt that to be like a huge detriment, like everybody else was able to like pull it together enough, I guess, so that, you know, we didn't lose a center with five minutes to go kind of thing. Yeah. And, and even when Mo has sat. Uh, Rodney has come in and provided stable minutes. Evan has come in and provided stable minutes. Now, game one, that was a little bit rough, particularly in that second quarter. But they haven't been on the floor and been um, detrimental for the most part. So usually this year, for a lot of this year, when the Blazers played, uh, you know, a team with a good player, of course, everybody has a good player. It was often Alpha Rukamino's assignment to guard the best player. And you know, Harkless helped, but it was usually Chief who was mm-hmm. the person who stuck to him. It looks to me like um, it is now Harkless is taking on and Al Farouk is doing more help. Can you talk about sort of like what that looks like, what you're seeing there? Yep. So particularly as it pertains to the Blazers defense right now, their their shell has been to go under every pick and roll involving Russell Westbrook. They They, they are encouraging him to shoot. They do not care. Let him take all of the jumpers he wants to take. It is perfectly fine. That is a world they are willing to live in, um, which rightfully so. The guy can't shoot. Uh, they're shading and overloading to Paul George's side. Uh, Al- or uh, Maurice Harkless is getting the one-on-one coverage. Any kind of pick and roll uh, involving Westbrook, Cantor is not coming out that high. Free throw line extended at the most, more often not playing deeper. Uh, and they're not digging down one pass away. So it, when Russ does beat somebody, they're they're making him look back behind where he came from. Now, the thing about Russ is he's a capable passer there. He doesn't just have to look to the corners to find somebody. And the flip side of that is Dame has done a fantastic job of doing just that this series on the offensive end, which is finding guys where he came from. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, the other part of this is that Aminu, because Cantor is limited uh, with mobility, uh, he's he's the one who's playing on a string right now. They're letting Harkless take on ball, and then Aminu is the help side defender. That's he's that's ranging what around. To, yes, okay. and and they're willing to sacrifice helping on Paul George and loading up his side of the floor with Harkless, with Aminu, and even Cantor um, to wall off Paul George, keep him on one side, and let Ferguson, let Jeremy Grant, let those guys get looks, close out under control, and that's. That's been a huge part uh, of the game so far. When they have gotten out there, they're not jumping in every pump fake. 
They're staying down. They're under control. They're forcing guys out. There's probably been seven or eight threes from Paul George alone where when I watched the closeout, it was a very good closeout where it forced him to hesitate or to put the ball on the floor, and they they pushed, they pushed him to the outside. They weren't allowing him to the middle. And when players have gotten to the middle for the Thunder, uh, Cantor, Hood, Dame, uh, guys are taking charges. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting in guys' face. They're anticipating the contact. They're playing for the contact. I mean, Russ has got, what, four or five offensive fouls alone in the series? Paul George has picked up one or two. Um, okay, I have a qu- question about those Paul George open threes to wind it, rewind it a little bit. So in the first game, at least, they were they were leaving Paul George wide open. And to me... You know, by the time I noticed it, it was like in the second half and Paul George hadn't hit anything hardly at all. So it was kind of like at that point, you know, why bother? Because he hasn't hit any yet. Was that a were those lapses in defense that were causing him to remain open? Or do you think they were just like, well, let him keep going. And then when he starts making them again, we'll go out there and guard him again. No, I don't think it was one of the, the, the second part. It was part. like a lapse. It was like, oh, yeah, whoops, we missed uh, that assignment. The the a lot of those have been off offensive rebounds, so it's oh, a bit of a okay. scramble play. Right. But um, for the most part, the, even though Paul's nicked up, they're still making everybody else beat them. Like that's that's the thing, and and a lot of this starts with Dame at the point of attack. If you remember, we were talking about you know looking at this series when we did the like kind of that short notice pod when everything went the way for the Blazers Thunder series to happen. Yeah, was will Dane be able to blow up the point of attack? Because Westbrook, when he gets downhill, I, this isn't like shaded Dame. Russell Westbrook may be the most explosive, dynamic athlete to play the guard, the point guard position in the history of the NBA. Like he's six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds of sinewy, just jacked out, fast twitch freak muscle. That when he gets downhill. Unless you're one of the no doubt heavyweights in this league who can move their feet, like a Joel Embiid type, you have you don't have the ability to stop him. And Dame has done a phenomenal job of playing tendencies, taking away where he wants to go, getting in front of him, knowing that he wants to be physical and go through your chest, draw charges, and keep him from having those. What what have we not seen this series, Tara? Have you seen a Russell Westbrook dunk off a pick and roll? It's not been there because they know where Cantor's not coming out. They're willing to let Russell Westbrook have that 12 to 15 footer off the pick and roll. They're going to live with that action. But what they're not going to live with is the energy plays of Russell Westbrook, him getting downhill and dunking on eight dudes. And do they do that by slowing him down enough or making him take a longer route so that they can get people under the basket so he just can't get there? Yes, they reroute him. They're making him go. That's what going under the pick does. You're able to get there and string him out a little bit wider. What the Blazers have done is they've effectively walled off the paint without dipping five guys into the paint. On the other side, the Thunder are doing just that. They are dropping five guys into the paint and trying to help on Dame and CJ, but both of them have been phenomenal when it comes to finishing at the rim. And when it and when they do kick it out, Rodney Hood is hitting just enough. Chief is hitting just enough. Moe's – and it's not necessarily the volume that the other guys are hitting right now. It's the timeliness of it. Remember we talked about that earlier in the year, right? The, the timeliness of a three, the momentum. The Blazers have been on the right side of a momentum play every night so far, the first two nights, I should say. I mean the case in point here, and this kind of goes off of Westbrook. Westbrook drives, kicks it to an open guy, loses it, gets it back, pull up three early in the shot block. And Dame's like, I'll live with that. He starts clapping at him, right? <laughs> he comes down and he bangs a 36-footer from the edge of the, of the logo. And now guess what? The place is on fire. The Blazers are on a run. And the game is essentially over from that point in time. Oh, that was such a good play. And I probably relived that with every single person that I talked to today. Even random people who hadn't seen the game. I told them all about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to say just a couple more things about the defense before we move yeah. on to talk about the offense. Because, oh, that has just been a thing of beauty. But, okay, one of the things that I noticed on defense is that pretty much with the exception of maybe the beginning of game two, the Blazers have really been uh, – they've been – so in sync and they've been so tuned in that it almost sometimes feels like they just have an extra player on the field. I mean, they're 
Uh, Mo is in the right place. You were talking about Damien going to tendencies. It's like they actually were able to memorize and take in all of the information that was given to them about their players, process all of that, apply it while they were on the court as the same time as staying in tune with each other. Because the way that for the most part, so much of the time that they're, you know, spread out on the court, whether or not they're like running back to set up you know, when OKC is attacking or whether they're in there like switching and talking and communicating, they're so in sync. It just feels like they have more players out there. Yeah, that helps when there's almost no gravity from the perimeter, too. They, they, they know that they can play on a string and, and the Thunder aren't exactly whipping the ball around here you know, <laughs> like like the Harlem Globetrotters. Right. So the the, you know, compared to a team like, you know, Golden State that's known for whipping it around the corner constantly, OKC is not doing that, which allows the Blazers a little more time to to react to the and communicate. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've ever seen Oklahoma city do that? Like, we're going to have to worry about them suddenly like instituting, you know, back home or is nah, that, cause just Westbrook not is, they, it's just all the offense is Yeah. There's a it's lot him of isolation a on both sides of this game. Yeah. yeah no. And that's what playoffs are. Mm-hmm. Our, 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 our good guy can beat your good guy. Right. And I want my last thing I want to say about the defense is I just want to shout out to one play by Myers which was in definitely in game two. And I think it was against Russ. He was stuck with somebody who was way smaller than him and on the perimeter in the corner and moved yes, his feet like a baby he deer played him. Like, like I called that like the Kevin love defense, like at the end of game seven or whatever that mm-hmm. was. Remember that like 30 seconds of perfect defense that Kevin yep. Love played to win them the series. Like it looked like that. It was like, Myers just dug in and he, this giant of a man was able to move his feet. Oh, it was, so he walled good. him off, pl- played defense without fouling, used leverage, forced him to the baseline, forced him to pick up the dribble. He, I can't remember who it was. It, it may have been Russ, but I, I want to say was it, wasn't. it was either Russ or possibly maybe Ferguson. I think it was Ferguson. That, that sounds it was somebody who was way smaller. <laughs> yeah, and and Myers had no. Ferguson is like the size of one of Myers' legs. He's yeah. such a thin guy. But it was it was phenomenal effort from Myers, and when he came in and filled in for Cantor, he did really well. Mm-hmm. There, there was uh, he got called for a cheap foul when uh, I think it was Adams hit him with the flying elbow in the throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the uh, goaltending charged to him on what was one of the more ridiculous blocks I've ever seen. I, I don't think I can't think of any guys in the league who who can block floaters from a six foot eight, six foot nine small forward. Um, yeah, yeah. How, he, how he got to that was I don't I don't know, but it was it was gorgeous and it was unfortunate that the call went the other way. But with with Myers, when he was interviewed after the game and where he said how much it meant to him, and then he like kind of paused and he was like to play meaningful minutes. And that pause to me just was like, Oh, like that. It it just really hit me that like, he has wanted to be seen as like for fans to see how much he's contributing. And like in that game, you could actually like, you could see it. Like we all know that Meyer, everybody loves Myers and he's popular on the team and he's popular among the players and the coaches, the basketball but Part he said meaningful minutes and to be able to be out there on the court and be recognized for that. I think that meant so much to him. And it was just like, I could hear it in his voice. And he had a, he, he was the Blazers spirit animal. Like he had some momentum plays. He had some big moments. He was physical when he needed to be. He was a bull in a China shop when he needed to be. Uh, and he, he, it was, it was, it was a feel good part of the game to see and not only that the basketball side of things to be like you know what it's actually really nice here to see Myers contributing because the other side of that is well we'll leave that one alone for now (laughs) and I also uh you know we should say that you know that uh Cantor's first game he had an outstanding game on both ends right and everybody or not everybody but a lot of people who haven't been watching him for the last you know month or so uh, were shocked at you know his cap- how capable he was. Basically, everyone outside Portland defense. was like, "What right. is going on? How does Cantor know how to play defense all of a sudden?" 
Right. And, you know, I got to think a lot of it has to do with the coaching in the system that the people have down uh, along with their, again, that connection and how in tune they are with each other. Um, but speaking of centers and getting ready to transition into offense, do you have anything else you want to say about defense? No. And we can talk about adjustments in, in a few minutes. Um, but so I miss Yusuf Nurkic so much. Yeah. And it's like Cantor <laughs> and Myers have been holding things down great. And I'm super proud and super impressed in the way that they have stepped up and the way that they've, you know, managed to, you know, hold their own against Adams and stuff. And that's all fine and good. But I, I'm just aching for one of those big man bounce passes to a cutting wing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which we're uh, just never. I feel like we're just never gonna see again until Myers comes Cantor back. Tried one in game in game one, and it was <sighs> uh, picked off pretty simply. Yeah, uh, it, like I mean, if you're gonna be critical, the Blazers on anything on the offensive end early on is their ball movement, and obviously things change in the playoffs. You're gonna go to your high leverage players and their high leverage plays. Um, I would like to see a little bit more action. I'd like to see the Blazers not settle so early in the clock. Uh, I think the biggest problem with the Blazers offense outside of the ball movement or lack thereof has been their shot selection. You don't think that just dribbling up and casually knocking off Heaving like, a, a 33 foot um, <laughs> shot in the first, you know, five seconds of your possession at the opening okay, possession so, of the game. Uh, you don't think uh, that's uh, a good shot? Let's address that great. one in particular. <laughs> I almost great. guarantee that no matter what happened, Damian Lillard was going to open up the series with that shot, and it, here's here's the reason why. The what what happens if he misses it, Tara? Ah, oh, Dame yeah, missed the deep three. What happens if he hits it, Tara? Ah! <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. The the motor center was absolutely bonkers, and the place was on like you know the, the acid trip of a lifetime <laughs> as it just went. It, it was like somebody like. The, Listen, Moda is is a loud arena. I think we all know that. But I would be lying if I said that over the last few years, Moda has been great. Like, it's still good, but it does not have some of the... Jeez, now you're going to start slandering the fans, Dan? No, no, no. It it not had the roar over the last couple years. Uh, The beginning of this series, that place was nuts. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it was like full on late nineties level nuts in the building. It was deafening. You, everybody was, you could, you know, hair standing up on end that, that part of it was great. And every last bit of that comes from Damian Lillard's choice to, Hey, let's set this place on fire. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll, we'll let that early in the shot clock yep. one go, but generally, yes, there has been a, a lot of, of isolation plays on both ends, <laughs> but Gore, but and, you know, and so the the thing I miss, like you were talking about the ball movement. Yes, the ball movement through Yusuf Nurkic, which is what we had become accustomed to, you know, starting January, you know, late January, February, March, we'd gotten used to like surprise passes like, oh, where did that come from? And, you know, them sort of manufacturing that movement on the floor. And now they're just kind of back to CJ starts in one corner, runs up to the top. Tosses it to Dame. He keeps running. Dame tosses it back to him, and he, you know, takes the three from there. It's working. It's great. And CJ's handles are wildly entertaining these days. Um, but it's not the, you know, the as varied as it used to be. And so one of the things I'm wondering is, like, if they don't mix it up anymore in OKC, do you think that is going to be detrimental? I don't think so because I'm, I'm looking at the synergy numbers right now and things are grinding to a bit of a halt. And obviously it's only a two-game sample, so it's kind of weird. But the Blazers are still mostly predominantly running pick and roll. Uh, the second most finished sets, though, are spot up. Uh, so, I mean, the, when they are running that pick and roll, even though they are loading that one-side Dame, one-side CJ offense, they're still finding guys, particularly CJ, who's been dynamic from three here early on. Uh, or, excuse me, uh, particularly Damian, who's been dynamic from three here early on uh, with CJ with timely shooting. It's It's been an offense that's not all that complicated, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
if you're Terry Stotts, you've, you've got counters ready to go. You've got counters in play if they start to take away actions. Like if they actually start to really blitz, trap, and pressure Dame out high, I, I believe it'll catch him off guard for a possession or two. And then after that, he's going to start finding guys. And so I, I, earlier, swinging it to the middle of the floor to uh, make OKC start committing extra men and helping, you know, one and two passes away. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But as, as far as like the overall offense, I know it's not the greatest, but it's working right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's a reason to really go away from it. I would hope or encourage that. Or I'd be encouraged, I should say, if the Blazers decided, hey, you know what we should do? We should be a little more egalitarian with our offense. Let's try to move the ball a little bit. But the downside or the counter to this is that if they do that, and you saw it a little bit, uh, particularly in game one, if Dame gives the ball up early in the shot clock, they're looking to deny him. They're looking to make sure he doesn't get it back. Exactly. So that's I think that's part of the reason why they're opting to keep the ball in Dame's hands longer, because that takes away one of the things that they want to do. The Thunder, that is. I see. So Dame holds on to it longer at the beginning of the possession to give them more of a chance to have him be an option at the end of the possession. Yes, because if, if he's if he does give it up and now he's coming off a down pick, which we've seen him knock down a couple threes off as an off ball uh, or on in an off ball action that works. But if he gives it up and they're trying to do a DHO set later in the clock and Ferguson or Grant or Russ or, or PG has got their arms bear hugged around him and they're denying and then they're not letting him get to where he wants to get to. Now the set's kind of broken on a short clock that puts the Blazers in an awkward situation where they're kind of running scramble plays. And when you've got Cantor on the floor, who still isn't a hundred percent, doesn't have that, that link, you know, of playing a year, two years, three years and knowing the whole playbook and where guys are going to be and where they want to be all that kind of stuff. Right. So it's, it's things are just off that one degree. So I think that's part of the reason why they'll, they'll opt to keep things the way they've gone so far. Well, I feel like Damien is not getting smothered the same way that he was by the Pelicans. They're not. And why aren't they doing that? I mean, that worked really well for the Pelicans. Why isn't OKC trying that? I think it's a fear of some of the other weapons. The other part of this is Billy Donovan is really just Long Island Jason Kidd, and he's not a good coach. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, 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 that plays a part of that. Hey, this game plan that Alvin Gentry put together last year, you know what we should do? We should not use the thing that destroyed him. I'm like, you. if any team in the league outside of Milwaukee and New Orleans were were wanted to run this defense, you know who's best suited to do it? OKC freaking Thunder. They've got a pile of 6'5 to 6'9 dudes who want to play defense. So remind me again, what's the thing that they threw at Damian Lillard last year? Was it length and athleticism? Oh, yeah, it was. And the Thunder aren't doing that. Now, they're soft hedging and trying to take Damon from getting to the middle of the court. We haven't seen Dame really get down the teeth of a defense off of a center pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Right. He hasn't He hasn't done a lot of just, yes, going straight in. But what he has done is they, they what the Blazers have, have done to kind of counter some of what OKC wants to do and where they want to push him. They're running wing pick and rolls further out so the help is further away. And it's allowing Dame to get to spots or to drag the play out a little bit further to create more space in the middle of the floor. If you're anything like me um, or anybody listening and you've seen Ennis Cantor running down the middle of the lane with his hands up up high like a five-year-old kid, like, hey, give me the ball, and you haven't seen Dame pass it, I think part of this, this is I, I don't have anything to back this up. This is my own observation. I think part of why we aren't seeing Dame make that pass is because last year he made those passes after trying to drag the defense. Mm-hmm. And what did it lead to? Turnovers. And I think by doing this, he, he's allowing the floor to open up a bit more, being a bit more patient. I think at times he's being a little too patient. That That's part of my frustration. But I'd rather that be the case more often than just trying to force it, force it, force it. I think what happened late in game one, uh, or not, not, not late, I should say, in the third quarter in game one, I think they the Blazers got a little sloppy and they tried to force some actions that weren't there. And so you saw late time or late shot clocks or early clock because or early shots of the clock because guys weren't in position or things were weren't looking right or Dame would just look to for or Dame or CJ looked to force the issue. Um, so I, I just think that what they're doing 
again, it's a long convoluted way to get around to. I think what they're doing has been working. I don't think they'll change it unless they are forced to. And I just don't think the Thunder so far have been willing to do it. They just don't seem like they've been creative enough to try anything. I mean, there was one point where Schroeder was basically in Dame's shorts from like baseline to baseline. And that lasted like one play. And that was about all it's of the... Another guy. It's another great defender, right? Mm-hmm. But he only did that one time, and then they went back to... I don't know. Maybe they're trying to learn how to do something that two years from now is going to be really good, but that seems like it's going to be a little late. I mean, because the Blazers have been... As far as I understand it, the Blazers have been playing basically the same defense for the last several years. Is that correct? For the most part, there's there's a little bit of tweaks some- right now. Uh, Cantor's not coming out as high. They're they're uh, they're being more particular about where they're forcing the ball to during the break. And not only that, right now these guys are geared in on tendencies. Like they they are looking to take. Like you can sit there and watch them. And if you know what the scouting report kind of looks like, you you know right away what they are looking to take away. And it's they're like- doing a very good job of it. And like I mean, the only the, the, it, the counter to this is that. When you see them do something that you know is not in the game plan, it stands out because guys are kind of like looking around and like, what, right. what, what the pointing hell are you doing? Each other. Yeah, I, I remember a couple of those plays where they were like pointing to each other like, hey, that was <laughs> that didn't go how we wanted to. You know what I remember? It's, it's like the in the Matrix when he like goes and sits in the chair and they plug him in and he wakes up and he's like, I know Kung Fu. And it's yeah. like all these guys like sat down and they like they like plugged them in and then they woke up and they like had the playbook and they had everybody's or they had the other team's scouting report memorized because they're just like you said, really just super able to focus. Um, but anyway, that's kind of drifting back. Look at all this defensive talk about with the Portland Trailblazers. But I had two other observations I wanted to make about the uh, the offense. One of the things that some of the players not named Damon CJ, who, again, I'm just going to say have just been thrilling to watch, um, is the other players I've noticed um, really just demonstrating a lot of patience and them also not reacting too quickly to things. There was in particular uh, a a sequence in game two where uh, Chief got the ball and he could have done something with it right away, but he just held on to it just long enough for Damien to get close enough to pass it off to Damien so that Damien could restart it. And I think it ended up with a Damien three, but I've noticed, which we all love, right? (laughs) I mean, I love chief threes as well, Um, but I've noticed uh, the other players also like, you know, the whole Damien keeping everything under control and calm and not rushing thing. I've noticed that has been contagious with the other players like wreck to a ridiculous extent, a wreck havoc on the defensive end. And then in offense, just like settle down and let it happen. Yeah. I think he's kind of established that, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm the team leader. I'm the guy and I want to get you guys involved, but I need you to stick with me. And there are going to be times where I'm going to carry the load. I'm going to carry the burden. I have to answer the questions at the podium at the end of the night. So don't, don't be pissy when I take seven or eight shots in a row, just stay here with me. And I, I think the Blazers have done a fantastic job of that. And that's not an easy thing to do to just be willing to, you know, kind of check your ego at the right, door. Manage all me. those. Yeah. All yeah. those egos. I mean, and, but I think the trick and the way, I don't know, I'm just totally speculating here, but the way Damien and the way the team and the, the coaches do it is they help these guys find their role. And I mm-hmm. think that's what happened to Mo Harkless this year. He's found his role. That's what happened to Yusuf Nurkic. He found his role. I think chief has known what his role is for a couple of years and a couple of these other guys, it just took them a little bit longer to realize, you know, for Mo Harkless to realize I'm not going to get all those shots, but I can do really great things when I'm dialed in on the defensive end. And then I will take the shots when I get them and I will make the most of those. And I think chief has always kind of been like that, but some of these other guys are, are, are really coming yeah. around. And I think that's made a difference. Yeah. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. And that's why you see teams like the warriors who, yeah, you'll get buy-in for a year two, maybe even three. And then at year four, year five, everybody's ready to kill each other because you know what? They're sick of playing a role. They want their role. And I mean, think about this in, in your work life. You want to sit in the same office in the same chair, doing this exact same thing four or five years in a row. Hell no. If you do, you're weird, but whatever. <laughs> Some people are like, no, but also there, but to your point is some people that is their personality and they're fine to play on that. And I think the Blazers, and not to say that people are settling to be role players, no. but they're, they're in a place where they want 
to be, and they're happy to play that role. The vast majority of the NBA is role players. Mm-hmm. Like there's only 25, 30 stars. The rest are good to average players who are filling a niche. They're filling a need. They're not running a team. And so getting everybody to buy in, especially when you consider the emotional toll that having CJ go down first, then Nurkic, and then you've got guys like Seth, Rodney, and Ennis who they're playing for another contract. But you can hear with the way Ennis is talking right now, this is not just a contract stop for him. Like this, this legitimately means something to him before everybody gets all teary eyed, misty eyed. Yes. I still think there's 0% chance they bring him back is the way things sit right now. But the guys are all buying in and they all are in different places in different times right now in their lives. And yet Dame has somehow put them all on the same page. And it's not like guys are going crazy. Like the only one who I think one and a half guys that are outperforming that's Cantor and Curry. Right. I mean, is anybody else outside of Dame CJ, which we kind of expect, but of of like the guys who are the role players that are even uh, let's put it this way. Is is Curry overperforming expectations? I've I've been really puzzled about what his expectations should be this whole year. I Mm -hmm. think he's playing well, which means he's coming in and he's hitting shots. And I think that's what we need him to do. Yeah, no, I I would agree. I would say meeting at least. Yeah. So you've got Dame. Otherworldly, CJ. Honest, let's be honest. CJ has always been good CJ's in the playoffs. Been fantastic. Like if you look at, at CJ's playoff numbers, he doesn't play bad in the playoffs. It's it's actually I've been hard on him for other things, but he's in the playoff. He's been a guy who can deliver over and over and over again. Well, yeah. Uh, he, I the last game I was thinking like, does CJ think he's out there playing Duke? Because he was just. Yeah, he, he's been feeling himself, which has been really impressive as far as like what we've seen uh, from his lateral from injury. Yeah, that, that's exactly where I'm going. Like coming off that injury to, to be able to be that good, that fast off your lateral movement. That, that's that's been really, really encouraging. Just, it's been really like I mean, because Dame has, you know, ball handling ability, right? Like he can move wherever he wants to with mm-hmm. the ball and where, you know, whatever, you know, between his legs, you know, under his knees, wherever he can. Yeah. Ask Ray get, Felton about that. <laughs> he can he get where twice. he needs to go and take the ball with him. But with CJ, it's like an art, you know, it's like, you know, the, the forward back side, side, it just, it's to, it's just, I find it just that much, even more entertaining watching CJ dribble the ball. Yeah, no, uh, CJ's gotten in his bag a few times, uh, but it's really hard for me right now to take the throne away from Dame just because of who he did it to, what he did, and when he did it. Felton. Yeah, I mean, taking Felton and spinning him around like a dreidel can't be a top. Got to be a dreidel, a little thicker, you know. Um, but, I mean, he's, he did him dirty. Right to left, has he stepped – to do all of that and then go – in and out to step back to reset to in and out step like he went to a double step back and the end of the shot clock fading away I mean like everything about that play was like you can't recreate that in a damn video game <laughs> and that was when like that to me felt like Arthur pulling the th- the sword from the stone <laughs> this this is this is mine now like this game this series I am I'm, I'm the king now and like that was such a crowning moment for me. Like that Dame, and it wasn't just because of the highlight. It was just everything kind of personified what like the like that was him going full Super Saiyan. That was you know achieving ultimate evolution right there. That was when he became the dude, and he fully understood what it means to be the guy in the playoffs. Right. Well, let's hope that it continues. I mean, I that was the moment for me where I was like. Oh, this is real. Like they're going to do this. <laughs> and I don't want to like, you know, I'm really superstitious, so I don't want to like talk about how I think things are going to go. But that was a moment where things felt really great. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Me, the ultimate pessimist, I I I'm sitting here saying that this series feels like it's all but done. And now, uh, granted, game three, I think the Thunder are going to come out. They're going to be nuts. They're going to go after Portland. And then realistically, they're probably going to win that game. Unless Russ and PG are really that hurt, then Portland may have an opportunity to get the broom out. 
Well, I got. I just want to say one quick thing about offense. One last quick thing about offense before we turn to any adjustments that you think might happen. I think for the rest of the season, and you know how I love alley-oops. I love alley-oops so much. Alley-oops were, you know, the reason that so many kids got to go to Blazers Edge Night. I think the Blazers are done with alley-oops for the season. <laughs> they can't get the timing right to save it's, their life. It's Dame. It's, it, it's 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 Dame. Well, he's he's just no. He, he's, he's okay with it. It's just a matter of uh, like if the perfect like example everything. was was Dame throwing the lob to Myers or attempted lob to Myers. Uh-huh. Do you know how you know how far off you have to be to miss Myers? <laughs> That's like the <laughs> one thing that he doesn't do with confidence <laughs> because he's like, why am I doing this when I could have just shot a three? I think yeah. like his I think his body <laughs> is like fighting back. It like twitches. Like, like his mind wants it to be. His mind is going throw the alley oop, but his body is going. But I just want to shoot the three. Yeah, I, I, there might be a component to that. I, I, the, the lack of alley oop was kind of driven home and bothered me uh, the most this past week. Uh, I was at Hoop Summit, made a little appearance on the Nike campus for the Team USA, right? And uh, Steve DeWald and I are standing there, and you know who walks in, Tara, and then in walks Andre Mill. The you lob, got to see Andre the Miller God, right there. I wanted to take a picture. I felt really awkward. Media. I you wanted to feel awkward. You know, Andre's my guy. Oh like my Andre's gosh. like one of my top five guys that I enjoyed watching so much. So we're sitting there after practice has ended, and Steve and I are going back and forth. And I'm like, I don't care what this media credential pass says. I'm gonna fanboy out if he walks by me. I'm not walking to him. But uh-huh. if you walk by me, I'm asking for a, for a photo and I need you to take this for me. <laughs> uh-huh. He did walk by and I was like, ah, it's probably better for uh, any other purposes to see the media guy taking a picture with Andre. But yeah, I, uh, oh, I, I fan, I, 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 I sat there during the practices dreaming of lobs. He could throw me a lob and I would get it. And I'm five, <laughs> four and I can't jump. Magically, you just gotta send to the heavens and throw it down. You don't think that he was in town for some lob coaching practice, do you? I wish that were the case, but he's a Nike guy, and I think he was here checking out. Uh, They uh, just—they need to do that for the summertime. That's a summertime activity. Dame spending a month with Andre Miller in LA would not bother me. Oh my god, somebody has to film that. They have to send like the photographer, like Bruce Ely, down there to document that. That would be amazing. um, like some kind of Zen moment, like Doctor Strange kind of a deal. Like you're seeking out the the secret master of lobs. And yeah. Put on make it make, make him do them. like weird um um like exercises. Where have nothing he, to do with basketball or lobs. Right. He stands on one <laughs> foot and holds a tire in one hand and like brings a triangle with hot chocolate <laughs> and sings a song or something. Exactly. Just and they just have Dre be like, Nah, man. You just got to be good at it. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> we can dream. Anyway, I think that's a. I think they need to just like be done with trying to get fancy like that. That's the only thing that I've really seen that I've been like, okay, we don't need any more of that. It's, it's, um, the old but, actor, keep it simple, stupid. Right. Yes. Heading to OKC. What do you think realistically uh, the Thunder might throw at Portland? All right, so we already talked about the hedging, trapping, and blitzing. So let's go ahead and go to it. They need to do it. Let's look at this from the, the side of, of the Thunder. Game one, I thought their game plan was sound. The, they just couldn't hit a damn shot to save their life. And that, that could go the other way here. They could learn how to shoot, and everything they've done up to this point will work. They're literally the worst three-point shooting team through the first two games of any team in NBA history. They're, they're percentage wise, but that's a small sample size. It is, but we're we're talking about every other playoff team. And they in the improved. Th- they went from fifteen percent to seventeen percent. They could shoot nineteen percent next game. Oof. Well, that's uh, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, so could they learn to shoot all of a sudden? Absolutely. There is no reason to believe that they could not have Jeremy Grant or Terrence Ferguson or even PG. PG was effective last night. Um, find their stroke right. Uh, but overall, again, I thought their game plan from game one to game two was good. It was sound defensively. Uh, they, they, they lived with a, a, a first quarter that was ballistic. Uh, 
And then the rest of the game, they they kept the ball on one side of the floor and didn't commit extra guys, and it looked like it was going to work. Last night, Damian Lillard's a bad man. Now you got to change your game plan. You got to get the ball out of his hands. It's it's that simple. So you are expecting more activity geared towards uh, keeping the ball out of Damian's hands. Not just game plans. I expect Steven Adams to screen his brains out. I expect guys to be extra physical with him. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught it on the broadcast. They were talking about how Stotts was telling Dame if he was gassed after defensive possession to uh, give the ball to CJ. Let him bring the ball to the floor. Like, it's, it's okay. You need to not burn out. So clearly Dame's busting his ass on the defensive side, and he's maybe not saving as much energy for the offensive end. I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast that – when it comes to Damian Lillard, the reason teams attack him late in games is not because he's a purely bad defender. It's because of how much energy he has to use to keep the Blazers in the game. Like, think about this. Damian Lillard is the, is the predominant pick-and-roll guard in the league, and he's put in those same pick-and-rolls on the other end. Running off screens, you're running into dudes. And then running into screens, you're running into dudes. That wears you out over 36, 37, 38 minutes on top of, oh, by the way, I have to stay in front of Russell Westbrook. So I would expect them to ratchet it up on both ends on Dame. And I think it's going to be incumbent on – I think if the Blazers are going to win game three, there is – outside of the Thunder, continue to shoot world record bad, is the Blazers need – an Al Farouk Aminu or a Maurice Harkless or a Rodney Hood or a Seth Curry game. Mm-hmm. One of those guys has got to get 18 or more. Yeah, someone's got to get 2023. Because I think Dame's going to have a rough shooting night. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of, you know, you know, you just kind of get a feeling for how a team's going to look, kind of like what the opponent's going to do, how another guy's look. That's that's how I see this right now. I'm like, I think Dame's going to be smarter about it this time, and it won't be a rough shooting night from a. Uh, Volume-wise, I think he's going to find other ways to get guys involved. But that's because I think OKC is going to throw the kitchen sink at him and try to beat him to death. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Blazers react to being in the driver's seat. Uh, I mean, because I know... What? That's a a great point. It's true. We haven't seen this in a long time. Right. I mean, how do they balance... I mean, we see what happens to being in the driver's seat in, in, in Golden State. You all turn on each other and you fight in the locker room. Um, I don't see that happening in Portland. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't see it being a problem for them. I, f- I feel like they're tight and cohesive enough that, you know, if they struggle in any way, it's not going to, like, drive them apart or anything. And I feel like they learned so much from last year thinking that they were going into the series in the driver's seat. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be an issue, but I'm, I am interested to see how they react. Yeah, I mean, this is this is obviously, you know, uncharted territory for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just winning a playoff game, but all of a sudden being in the driver's seat. Like this iteration of the team has never experienced that, obviously. Um yeah, as far as adjustments, though, I think the Blazers, the big thing for them is, that, at least for me, I would like to see the ball moved around a little bit more, um, perhaps earlier in the clock, or looking to be uh, aggressive earlier in the clock. Like, if you're going to get other guys involved, find a cutting Aminu, find a cutting Harkless, you know, those kind of situations. Or, if you're going to continue to be aggressive defensively, be just as aggressive in transition. There's been a couple times where they've, they've kind of, pump the brakes, but that big run that they made uh, in game two in the third quarter, wh- what was that off of? Transition makes an opportunity. Remember Dame getting out in the open court, finding Seth Curry on the three-point line and just keeping that run going? That's I, I think those are the things that on, everything on the periphery is going to matter more in game three because uh, – That's the, tough because they're, yeah. they're just not a running game. <laughs> or they're just no. not a runner, running team. No, and, and I think that that's – they have to find – I don't think they'll have to run all night. Either I think it's they have to be opportunistic. Uh, I think they what they had what twenty three. I think they had twenty three in the. Uh, that's kind of, that's a pretty good points off turnover. Yeah, twenty three points off turnovers in game two. So yeah, I mean I'll, I'll I'll take that. They they need to continue that kind of stuff and then have somebody else big pop up. I mean when, when you look at it, Tara, what what what's what do you expect the Thunder to do? Well, I expect them to throw more at Damian and try double teaming him. I expect them to be like, well, we didn't do it the first two games. We got to try it. We'll be at home. We'll have the crowd behind us. And if Dame is being smothered, 
uh, it's going to cause him to – I think they're going to try to count on breaking him down, which I don't think is going to work. Um, but I think they're going to do it by crowding him. That would be my guess. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the funny thing is we're sitting here saying this. Like this is – I don't think anybody's looking at this like, you know what the Thunder really need to do is just read, just completely redo their entire game, defensive game plan. It's like, no, just throw more Damian Lillard. It's like it, the whole idea of like not going after Cantor or late in the game when Cantor's in foul trouble and his wrist is jacked up, not going at Myers Leonard. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only guy that the Blazers have quote-unquote gone at in the playoffs is Zach Collins. That's that's literally the only person who I'm sitting here like, you know what? When he's on the floor, they're going at him. Otherwise, they're not going at Harkless. They're not going at Chief. They're not going at CJ. They're not going at Dame. Like, they're not like trying to pick on any one particular person right now. And I think that you have to give credit to the Blazers for having a very sound and structured defense. But also, you have to wonder what the hell the Thunder right. are doing. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean by like. Why haven't they yet? And that's where I just think it's got to. Does it just got to come down to the coach? I mean. He he can't. She's be coming up with the plan to like do something, but maybe they will in game three. I guess I have- that's the option, though, right? Is it's either the coach, the players not executing, or the the way you look at this is like the Milwaukee Bucks of two years ago. It's basically, the same damn team, except you added Brooke Lopez and, and Mike Budenholzer, and now it went from a so-so team to the one maybe the best team in the league. Time and a coach. Those yeah. are the things that are different Weird. with them. What do you think in terms of like, who do you, th- who do you think has more talent on their team? Just raw talent. Raw talent right yeah. now without Nurkic, the thunder. Right. Right now, raw talent, which is why like, I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I Dame is, you know, out of this world. Um, And I also think CJ is, really 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 good but I just if everybody's healthy next to paul, paul george, george and yes russell westbrook they just have the edge i'm not saying they're way better i'm just saying that they have the edge but if they have the edge why can't they win and that's why i just go it must come down to coaching because they've well, the, been playing together for a couple of years now yeah and the thing other thing is i don't i don't like think i know how to coach <laughs> i don't think it's necessarily that big of a gap PG and Dame, like if you're looking at just those two guys on basketball talent, non-intangibles, I think it's pretty clear that Paul George, when healthy, is that guy, right? He's he's uh, bigger, wait, longer, stronger. Intangibles? No, no, no. not count like just pure basketball. Okay, yeah. scoring, defensive, ball handling, passing, defending ability. Paul George is maybe a top five guy in the league, right? He, mm. He's he's a freak. I'd say I don't know that he's better than Dame. I just think right now Russell Westbrook has the edge on CJ. Okay, yeah, that's 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 the thing. It's like, but we're talking about those two. We're not talking about Westbrook. We're we're talking about Dame is well above Westbrook. I think at this point in time, and that's that's more what I'm trying to highlight here than the difference between PG and Dame. I was going to say that I think PG on just pure basketball wise, if he was healthy, like we're talking, you know, before this whatever this was, mm-hmm. I, I would give like a slight nod. To PG. However, when you th- factor in everything, I would give the nod to Dame because because of right. those angels. And I think that that part of it, because the offense, the team, everything is run through Damian Lillard, and the gap is so significant now between the intangibles, particularly between Damian Russ and and managing games and and knowing how to get the most out of his team right now. I I think that the talent shifts in a way to the Blazers on the top end, but because of injuries and because the the Thunder have so many wing players where Portland's shorthanded there, I think the overall talent pool goes to OKC. Does that sound fair? Yeah, and if they hadn't had Nurkic, it would be a different story. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think let's, let's wrap it up there, and I hope that uh, Dame is feeling the love, and that CJ is too, and that all of the Blazers are, because... I mean, the last two games have just been 
For me, just pure enjoyment. Well, actually, no. The first half of game two was absolute torture for me. <laughs> but that was yeah, watching offset. Russell PG go off. Never <laughs> that, fun. That was offset by the joy of the second half. Yeah, at halftime at the game on uh, Tuesday, I looked at my husband and I was like, I want to go home. I can't handle this. So we we had just gotten up to the we had just gotten back into the suite after getting settled in. And Joe was getting ready to go down to do his banana thing. I think there was like a minute 30 left and like, well, should we head down before the horn or do we know, um, do we head out now? And I'm like, we need, we need to, you know, we need to stay for this. And, um, like they need to close this quarter out and there's like, you know, 10, 12 people in there. I'm like, this is it. This, this is Dame's opportunity to wake up, change the narrative of this game and and make it happen. And then he did. And I was like, here we go. CJ with a great pass by Dame to keep. It looked like he traveled. It looked like his foot came down before he let it go from where I was sitting. And when they didn't call anything and CJ gets the clean look, lets the three like, go. Okay. I'm, I'm like, here we go. It, <laughs> this, this is right now. This is the team that refuses to be bullied. This is the team that refuses to give up. They refuse to roll over. And that's, like I said, like, like that moment and then the, the quintessential moment for me was when when Dame roasted Felton, and that's when it was like, okay, th- this this team to me, and you, you know, Tara, how often I talk about you know having that that mental edge, mm-hmm. being physical and knowing you kind of own somebody. Right now, the Blazers have that, and, and maybe maybe the the first time since Dame hit point nine, I, I, I that's that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that may sound crazy, but that's. Does does that does that sound crazy? No, I, I think that that sounds that sounds right online. You know that sounds that sounds right online where where, where they are. They have uh, they have an identity now. They know who they are. Uh, they know what they're supposed to do, and they're dialed in. And who knows? Um, the next time we talk, we could be singing a very different tune. <laughs> so I think we should just end on a high note. What do you think? Yeah, that's the thing. Is every series, you know, or what was what's it's the old? It's never set? over till it's over. I mean, it's, Golden State Warriors showed us that. You know? Well, not just that, but it's it's not a series until the road team wins. Mm-hmm. So if here's the thing: if the Blazers go in and grab Game Three, it's over. If they take Game Four. It's still over. Like it's so. I mean, yeah. Go ahead and hate me for saying it, but it, it's just, it, it feels weird to be in a confident position. But looking at, at the way OKC has played, how they look physically, all those kinds of things, and how just downright dominating Damian Lillard is, and these series are almost ultimately defined by the series' best player, right? Mm-hmm. If Damian Lillard continues this level of play, I and you know the pessimist I am. I have no problem, zero problem, seeing this team beating San Antonio or Denver in the next round. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it could be totally different after they come back from OKC. Yeah. <laughs> what I've seen so far in the series, like for me to sway that hard, you know how hard it is for me to budge on things. This this is a, a level of, of Damian Lillard I have not seen. Well, again, I'm trying not to get too high or too Get low. On. I'm super satisfied with the Blazer basketball that I've been watching. I'm super excited about it. And I feel like at this point, it's all a bonus. And uh, that feels a little bit like I'm not doing enough honor to how hard they're working because they're clearly acting like, no, this is not just bonus basketball that we're lucky we're in the playoffs without Yusuf Nurkish. They're like in it to win it. And I think that's great. And I'm going to just enjoy it as long as I possibly can. But let's take us out of here for the night, uh, and we'll talk again after the next couple of games. Um, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. Also, you can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. We'll get back to our regular uh, programming schedule in a couple of weeks or in June, let's say, after our <laughs> after the Blazers' deep playoff run is over or whenever the Blazers' playoff runner is over. But in any, any case, everybody should just go ahead and subscribe to the Blazers' Edge podcast on their favorite podcast app so that they can get all the episodes of all the different stuff that we're putting out. We've got lots of great stuff coming out. So Dan, why don't you take us out of here? Hey, do you guys have a watch party coming up, Tara? We do. We're going to be watching the game together at McMinniman's on Broadway on uh, Sunday evening, 630. Uh, anyone's welcome to come out. It's playoff basketball, women's hoops and talks is uh, we're going to scream and yell and have a great time and probably maybe sneak some chocolate in there from um, our Easter baskets. <laughs> and I would invite anybody on top of the fact that it's already a great get together. Anybody who hasn't been in a public setting 
to watch a playoff basketball game, please do it because it's it's fun. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, but that's awesome. Uh, hopefully those teams keep growing and we get to see more and more uh, cool stuff in the What Podcast. So I will go ahead and wrap us up here. You can find me on NBC Sports Northwest, Blazers, Outsiders, with Joe Simon, Shane Brennan, and myself. Uh, after this round, if things go well, the coverage will change. We'll have some announcements as it pertains to that, which I'm pretty excited about. But other than that, you can find me on social media, at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Uh, hit me up with any questions, comments, concerns, shit, really anytime talking Blazers. Uh, and make sure you follow all of us here at Blazers Edge on Twitter because we have fire tweets, as I think we had like five people from the Blazers Edge staff go viral last night. So, um, yeah, good job, us. Way to, way to be good at the tweets, Tara. <laughs> I don't know. Right on. All right. Well, I don't know when the hell we're going to do another podcast. Uh, hopefully Sunday, Monday night, uh, the Blazers have swept. I'll tell you what, Tara. We will make the adjustment. If the Blazers have swept on Sunday night, we will record Sunday night. Okay. All right. Boy, that's a big promise. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll probably be um, in a state of mind that will preclude me from doing the podcast. Make but... some very entertaining podcasts. Yeah, no yeah. fair. You get to be in that frame of mind. I got to stay up and edit it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.